Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Prime Minister Trudeau says Canada wanted a more ambitious plan on climate change coming out of the G20 summit. There's no question that Canada, along with a number of other countries, would have liked stronger language and stronger commitments on the fight against climate change than others. But we did make significant, significant progress. The Prime Minister will be coming home to frustration from some Liberal MPs. He's coming back to a, you know, a grumbly caucus that feels it's been left out of touch leading into the election, during the election, after the election. They have set, us, uh, set up a caucus meeting for November 8th, uh, so that's still, you know, still a ways off. And could there be an arrangement between the Liberals and the NDP to keep the government from falling for the next three years? In my first conversation with the, the Prime Minister on the phone before, uh, after the election and before COP, uh, we, we chatted and I said, if the Liberal government wants to work with New Democrats, if, if Justin Trudeau wants to, to work with us, and, and of course in a minority government he's going to need to, I laid out three things that, that would give us an indication of the government's desire to work together. It's Monday, November 1st. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Good morning, Peter. Morning, Mark. So let's talk about the prime minister's travels. He uh, he's overseas, and of course, there's uh, there's been a G20 summit that has taken place. There's the climate change conference that's going on. Um, a lot of people um, are, and and climate change was was a big subject at the G20 conference. So those two things are connected. Let's let's talk about uh, what's been happening and and Canada's role in all of this. Yeah, and a lot of eyes on this climate change conference on the G20. It was a big, you know, it was a big, uh, uh, a big election item. It was a big election issue. A lot of Canadians wanted to hear more about it. A lot of Canadians want to see uh, action taken by uh, their government to, to deal with uh, more aggressively with climate change. But uh, as you saw, the response from um, you know most environmentalists connected to this, and even from some world leaders, it was that. Uh, you know, in terms of what had to be had had to be achieved, it was another flop, um, and it's that's become a pattern for these conferences to fail to meet expectations, and they fail to meet expectations because of the same kind of intransigence that's taking place between different countries, in, in many cases, uh, Russia and China, uh, refusing uh, to adopt really ambitious. Uh, climate uh, emissions cutting targets, um, sticking by their own kind of timeline, and you know, and, uh, world leaders from better to do countries, you know, uh, not putting up the money needed to help uh, less developed countries deal with the issue. So it's it's kind of this circular event that keeps on happening. They they talk about how we need, you know, they did agree and sort of in principle that it's better to limit the world to 1.5 percent. Celsius increase in temperature compared to the pre-industrial age than it would be to have it rise by two degrees Celsius. But then they went on to not put in place the necessary policies to ensure that that happens. So, uh, you know, I'm, could there be a major turnaround after uh, the Scotland conference is done? It's hard to see that given the way they're heading into it from the G20. Yeah. And how important do you think this is to the prime minister? A lot of people have talked about how... Uh, climate change and the environment are big priorities for him in his third term. And that was reflected, some would say, in the choices that he made in cabinet. So he said he was disappointed coming out of the G20. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, he, he was hoping for you know more ambitious uh, language in the communique, more ambitious targets. Um, you know, he, he campaigned on the need for more ambitious targets, and we're going to hear more and more about uh, the greening of the economy and the and the conversion that the, the Liberals say needs to take place for uh, Canada to deal with this issue and deal with it more aggressively in this country. But uh, this is another one of those rubber hits the road uh, kind of conversations, Mark, where uh, you know, you know, successive governments have not met targets, uh, even when they put more ambitious ones if they have in place. And so this is going to be another one of those wait and see. Uh, he, he's put pieces in place that demonstrate he's going to be really serious in trying to reach and achieve more ambitious uh, goals for Canada, but. You know, a lot of people will want to wait and see exactly what those first steps are, say, in the next year to 18 months, exactly what does that conversion look like and how aggressive is it. Yeah. All right. Let's turn to what the Prime Minister will be coming home to in the next couple of days, and that is um, apparently some frustration on the part of uh, some members of the Liberal caucus that there hasn't been a caucus meeting since the election. Um, And obviously... Uh, after the swearing-in of a new cabinet, there's always a risk that there are going to be members of caucus who are disappointed about not joining the cabinet. So what's what's the prime minister coming back to? Yeah, it's an interesting time. He's coming back to a, you know, a grumbly caucus that feels it's been uh, left out of touch uh, leading into the election, during the election, after the election. Uh, they have set, a, uh, set up a caucus meeting for November 8th. Uh, I think it is that they've now set it for uh, so that's still, you know, still a ways off, uh, more than a week away still. But he'll he'll come back uh, to uh, hear what you know a lot of people think the Liberal Party should have been hearing uh, before and during the election is why the election was called. There's, there's still lots of anger in the caucus for some of the colleagues uh, that got defeated, and there's lots of anger in, in the caucus about being left out of consultations about. Uh, the timing of the election and the messaging and what happens after the election, key decisions made on uh, ending COVID, some some are restructuring the COVID benefits, uh, you know, uh, caucus members learned through the media. And the other parties have all had at least one, and uh, in, in most cases, more caucus meetings. They've all had more than one caucus meeting. So their members have had a chance to, uh, to talk and, and debate and look at what happened. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think since... You know, Brian Mulroney has a has a prime minister put as much emphasis on finding out what the caucus is saying, finding out what's making them mad, what's making them happy. Um, he put a lot of focus on that, and I, uh, there might be a message for the prime minister when he gets back to pay a little more attention to what's happening uh, with the people on on your own side of the aisle. Yeah. Um, we'll come back to Brian Mulroney in a moment because uh, he was in the news over the weekend as well. Um, but but first, uh, there there continue to be some rumblings uh, about the prospect of some type of arrangement between the Liberals and the NDP uh, to keep the the government, the current government, uh, in power without without uh, being defeated in the House of Commons for something like three years. Um, that sort of formal coalition rarely happens, if ever, in, in Canadian politics. Uh, it's happened sometimes at the provincial level, but right. um, but what what do you think about that? What are you hearing? Yeah, I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that those conversations, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they might have happened after the, the last election, too. I mean, although uh, it was a much different setting, right, because right out of the gate, in the last, after the last election, Jagmeet Singh said, yeah, we're not going to be voting the government down. There's a, you know, we're going to pay real close attention, uh, you know, to 
how this works. And then when we got into the pandemic, uh, there was absolutely no chance the New Democrats were going to defeat the Liberals. So uh, Jagmeet Singh isn't using that kind of language this time. He's saying, look, we're going to be prepared to vote them down if, things, uh, if they do things that we're not happy with. So, um, you know, I think what's what's happening is, is, and there's no clear indication that any high-level formal talks have taken place. So we'll see how far this whole idea goes. But you can see where uh, there would be, for, for New Democrats, some logic in that uh, to maintain their stance that now, you know, we certainly don't want that one to go into another election urgently. And depending on what they could get out of that deal, they won't get people in a, in a cabinet, uh, that's for sure, but they might, you know, the New Democrat and liberal agenda is, is very close on a lot of things. Uh, there are some key differences, though, particularly in the area of Indigenous reconciliation. So, uh, is it worth having that conversation? Uh, it would, you know, the Liberals would have to be serious in thinking that they need that kind of support to push the agenda along and that they might struggle to get it somewhere else. And then, interestingly enough, it kind of it would also sideline uh, the need to do deals with the Bloc Québécois uh, if you've got a commitment from New Democrats to keep the government afloat. Yeah. All right. Uh, as I mentioned, Brian Mulroney uh, made some headlines on the weekend. Um, he said if, if he were the conservative leader and his advice to Aaron O'Toole would be to tell conservative MPs they have to be vaccinated or they're out of the caucus. Um, that's, that's exactly the kind of decisive act, I think, that a, a lot of people, a lot of observers have been saying Aaron O'Toole should have taken, hasn't taken. And because of that, uh, this story continues, doesn't it? Yeah, we talked about it every week, I think, since it... Uh sort of it came up in the uh, during the election campaign and we're still talking about it and uh people are still talking about it when when you know the former prime minister of your your party fine the party has changed since brian mulroney ran it uh or was the prime minister but uh when you have uh, a person of his stature saying you know basically get with the tour uh, this is the danger for uh, conservatives that the country is moving past this whole issue you know just by virtue of looking at the vaccination rates and the decisions that various governments are making about vaccine mandates and who needs to be vaccinated and who doesn't for so for the most part uh, the country's pushing by this and and the conservatives are still uh, making it an issue or at least it's an issue for for the leader and the really tough part is is how to reconcile the position he has taken personally uh, with what is happening with some members of his caucus and uh, the pushback against the idea of mandatory vaccination. Aaron O'Toole favors vaccination. He said that, but he's not prepared to force every person in his caucus to get vaccinated if they want to get into the House of Commons. And that's going to continue to be a problem because, as Brian Mulroney said in the interview, it speaks to leadership. His point is pretty clear. Tell them to get vaccinated. You believe in vaccination. The experts have told us it's the way to go. The country is getting vaccinated. You get vaccinated or hit the road. It's basically Brian Mulroney's message. And when it's put in those kinds of very firm uh, terms, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard for Aaron O'Toole to continue sort of straddling uh, this idea where he's now got them on side. To, yeah, we'll all agree to the rules imposed by the Board of Internal Economy, the House of Commons, that you can't get into the House of Commons without being vaccinated. But then once the House of Commons starts sitting, we're going to challenge the rule. So this story doesn't end here. Mark, we're going to hear about it again once the House yeah. resumes sitting. All right, Peter, thank you so much for bringing us up to date on all of this. Have a great day. All right, you too, Mark. Take care. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. 
There's no question that Canada, and along with a number of other countries, would have liked stronger language and stronger commitments on the fight against climate change. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Heather Schofield argues the G20 talks have fallen short of climate change ambitions. Schofield writes, Leaders from some of the biggest economies in the world not only struggled to harness more ambition on fighting back warming temperatures from the other side of their mouths, they also agreed to do what they could to stabilize oil and gas prices. Their response was akin to calling on oil and gas producers to quit messing around with production and instead ensure the world could get a steady supply of fossil fuels at affordable prices. It underlines just how important fossil fuels are to our economy and how unprepared we are to adopt alternatives. At cbc.ca, Brett Dolter argues COVID-19 offers lessons on the challenge of tackling climate change. Dolter writes, COVID-19 has upturned society, stolen millions of lives, and caused suffering for many more. It's not an exaggeration to say that everyone on the planet has been impacted by the pandemic. Climate change poses a challenge of equal or greater magnitude. As government leaders gather at COP26 in Glasgow, there are lessons we can learn from the successes and failures of our COVID-19 responses. It's important to listen to the experts. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure tomorrow. And government action matters. In the conversation, Sitali Cruz and John Steen argue strong carbon trading rules could help the world avoid dangerous levels of global warming. They write... The negotiations at COP26 will be critical for governments to revise and cooperate to work towards their targets. For Canada, where 2030 climate targets are rapidly approaching, it's essential for the government to work with industries on solutions that support a future transition with cleaner energies. Setting short-term and long-term goals and collaborating on solutions that support a future transition with cleaner energies will be vital for Canada to achieve its climate goals. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will attend the opening ceremony of the COP26 World Leaders Summit in Glasgow, where he will deliver Canada's national statement. He'll also take part in a World Leaders Summit event and meet with the President of Ukraine before attending a reception given by the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Environment Minister Stephen Gilbeau will also attend the COP26 Summit. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, November the 1st. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.